Hello, and welcome to EDUCAST, STEAM powered by the School District of Altoona. EDUCAST is by educators for everyone and will focus on important educational topics. My name is Heidi Eliopoulos. I'm the superintendent for the School District of Altoona in Altoona, Wisconsin, and I'm the host of EDUCAST. Today, I'm joined by Ben Marins of the Wisconsin Bureau of Consumer Protection. Ben is joining us today to talk about how we can protect ourselves from identity theft. Welcome, Ben, and thank you so much for being here. Heidi, I'm honored. Thank you. So we know that consumer scams and identity theft are at an all-time high. While we think of identity theft victims as people who perhaps have had their credit cards stolen and used, that's really just one type of threat. Recently in schools, we have a heightened awareness of the importance of protecting our student information because juveniles also carry a risk of identity theft. They don't have much in terms of a financial history, so that makes them a different sort of victim. So today we'll talk about ways that everyone can protect themselves from identity theft and we'll include some additional considerations for our parents or other caregivers or children. Let's start talking about how identity theft happens. What currently are the common methods used by identity thieves? Well, I guess the first thing to answer that question is talk about what they want. And what they want is our personal personal identifiable information. They want our name. It may be simple and it's out there, but when you add that with your birth date and your social security number, that's a secret sauce. And I can imitate you no matter how old you are or what your gender is or where you're from if I have those three pieces. But the scammers are looking for other things too. The identity thieves want your passwords, your email, your address, all sorts of what we call your personal identifiable information. So you want to be careful who you share it with. The uh, information is given sometimes online because we're answering questions from people and we don't know who they are. Mm -hmm. But it could be because the skimmer at the gas pump or the ATM has been compromised. So you need to be careful to see if that skimmer is loose. It may be the cover yeah. over the real skimmer. Don't use it. Uh, we talk a lot about don't overshare on social media. You know, Heidi, it's often thought that you and I sitting here talking is like being on, say, Facebook, social media, that we're, we're just here as friends getting together and, and talking. And I, I warn parents and students when I go into the classrooms, social media is more like putting your private information on a billboard by the highway. Sure. <laughs> and you, your friends will see it, but mostly strangers will see it. So you be careful, very careful what you post. The uh, phone calls that come from imposters to trick us into verifying your information are easily um, discarded if you follow two rules. One is control the flow of communication. If you don't know who you're talking with or emailing or texting, get away from it. If it's mm -hmm. critical information, they get back to you. The other thing we talk a lot about is not just clicking because they say, congratulations, you won an Altoona School District hoodie. Maybe you didn't mm -hmm. know there was a hoodie. Maybe you didn't mm -hmm. enter the raffle. So don't react and click. Respond. Yeah. And respond needs to take 15 seconds to see if this is real. And maybe it's more than 15 seconds, but at least pause to think, am I okay here? So I imagine that criminals continually change their tactics as potential victims become savvy to them. You gave several examples of different ways any of us could be victimized. How can we stay informed about emerging or changing threats or trends related to identity theft? A couple of things come to mind right away is there are alerts that come from the Federal Trade Commission and from 
DATCAP, the Department of Ag, Trade, and Consumer Protection, our Bureau of Consumer Protection. So you can sign up with us for those alerts. You can go or host an outreach presentation. We talk about these subjects for up to an hour on scams or identity theft or safe online shopping. We also have a Keep Your Kids Safe on the Internet presentation. And we're happy to go anywhere in the state. And we do this at no charge to our hosts. And we do it all year long. My coworker and I will probably do close to 480 of these or averaging more than one full hour a day presentation because it's so important. And the others, you know, watch the news. The news is doing a good job of catching some of the bigger trends. So you want to watch that too. But don't get so focused on it that you think this is all that happens online. It isn't. Yeah. So teenagers begin to develop financial habits and independence, especially when they start to get part-time jobs or their own car. How can teens themselves take an active role in protecting their identity online? And what advice can parents give their teens? Well, one of the things that police I work with tell me is that parents of teens want to work with their kids way before their teens to get them comfortable sitting at the computer with them. You know, when I was a kid, mom would say, go watch TV before dinner. But if you're a parent now, tell your parent, your kid, go online before dinner. You're not sure where they are or what they're doing. You need to be with them. And it's hard. It's time in. But it does pay dividends because when they become teenagers, if you've had a relationship with your child about computer use, teenagers like to hide things from us. That's what we do as we get older. But we're more willing at this point to share. To know, well, you know what? If I'm really not sure about this, it's okay to ask mom. What am I looking at or how do I confirm it? Telling your kids, don't share your passwords. Oh, it's okay. Jenny's my best friend. Yeah. Uh, because Jenny may not be your best friend next week. And this way you're making Jenny responsible for your password. I tell kids, don't share them. Your personal information, keep it private. And when people ask for it, you want to be wary of why and who's asking. You don't have to give it just because they say you do. When you become 18, you get a credit card. That adds to your risk, but benefits too. So we mm -hmm. want to teach kids a little bit about what credit is. And when you have a credit card, if your max limit is, say, $5,000, the credit card company will assume you're $5,000 in debt. So it's not necessarily great to have a huge limit unless you really need it. But to understand what that is. Uh, the other thing we talk about, and this is true for anybody, uh, is that you want to go and have your credit frozen. And it will really secure you. It's free. You can do it online. You want to do it for anybody in your family, whether you're, they're an infant or they're 98 years old. Everybody should be doing that. That's excellent. And I think you make a really good point there. While we think of the independence of teenagers, like so many other things, uh, you, you know, children are accessing the internet and online and communication younger and younger and younger. So it might even be a little too late to start developing those good privacy habits when they're teenagers. And as soon as children are accessing the internet, that's the time to begin teaching them how to be safe and how to keep their information private. Um, Cause there is a lot of creativity with things that can look like uh, contests or awards or games that just ask for a little bit of information from you in order to play. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and you're, you're almost programmed to say, yes, you know, we teach our kids when they're young, you're going to the park. Well, go to the corner. Cross at the light, look to the left, look to the right. We need, I don't have a catchy rhyme yet, but 
We need that kind of education about how to go online because that's a playground that the kids can play in if they're in Altoona with people in Altoona, Atlanta, and Paris, France. And you as a parent would be concerned if your kid had a friend in Paris, but you've got to work with the kid about how to deal with that. Yeah, absolutely. So you had mentioned this notion of social media being a billboard and and putting your personal information on display. So much of our lives is lived online. Um, um, Certainly more, it seems like every year, there's more and more that we're sharing. And it's not just our business and our transactional lives, but even telling those stories of our personal lives and, and sharing about our children and sharing about our family or sharing when we're out of town on vacation or uh, different things like that. So much of that, we put it out there for everyone to know and see. And as we do share information about our family and our homes and our habits, what should we keep in mind in order for each of us to keep that personal information or that of our children private and secure? I'm listening to you and it's, I'm wincing because you're, you're, you're killing identity as you know, like a thousand cuts here. Mm-hmm. You don't want to put all that online. And we've been sold that social media is the safe place. And even if you have a private group on say Facebook, they're hacking us bank, they're hacking us government. They can mm-hmm. hack Facebook. So you want to put, you want to share the information with people, you know, if you wouldn't tell a stranger, sitting with you in your kitchen, something about you. Don't put it online because you would be doing just that. The neighbors I have who would show the pictures of the sunset in Cancun, you're making a big mistake, not because it's bad that I see it, but the sh- there are scammers who's an identity thieves whose full-time job it is to go online and see what information we're giving them. Telling someone you're out of the country is not good information. Yeah. And the... Uh, the one thing where identity theft, it seems so innocuous that someone say, hey, everybody, what was the name of your first grade teacher? Well, they're asking questions that are also used to answer security questions to get into your accounts. So while it looks like you're playing a game with everybody, if you want to have that game, have a party at your house. Have a, uh, a Zoom with just the people you know. But you need to realize that having the ability to broadcast about our lives on anything doesn't mean that you should do it because you're not sure who you're talking to. Yeah. It's interesting because seeing some social media posts, I've started to look at, find myself looking at them a little differently um, with obviously identity theft and online security, but just safety of children in general. When I see uh, a happy birthday post where somebody is celebrating their child's birthday online. And I look at it as somebody working in schools, I think, okay, so a predator now knows their first name, their age, so what grade they're in. And then if you look at what their hometown is, you can actually tell what their school is as well, and you'd be able to identify them. So even be able to address them by name as a stranger in person or online, I'm starting to look at some of those things a little bit differently in terms of how we can take a couple of different steps to protect children by not giving away all those identifiable pieces of information. Everything you just said is spot on. I am, when I go out, I'm preaching cynicism, but I tell people I'm an optimist. Mm -hmm. 
and I believe the glass is half full, it's 99% full. And if all I heard is what you just said, I'd be scared to death. But again, you share information that is appropriate to share with it, a spouse, with a child, with a friend, with a stranger, with a boss. Social media has those same constructs. Mm -hmm. You don't share personal information with an absolute stranger, wouldn't you wouldn't do it. So why would you do it online? And putting these pieces together, especially when it comes to our kids. I know we're proud of our kids. We want everyone to know how wonderful our daughters and our sons are. But show it to the family at Thanksgiving or Christmas. Show it to the friend that you make time to go see. But you wouldn't show it to an absolute stranger because you want to be a safe parent, a safe educator. Well, then you have to realize what we're doing here. I don't think people are doing it willy-nilly. I don't think they realize the reach that information has. Yeah. And it's almost a different mindset because it's it's kind of sad to think that ooh, we, we, we can't celebrate our lives, but at the same time, it's just part of our reality and, and, and the reality of the world we live in. Uh-uh-uh, we can. You want to have a Zoom birthday party so your kid can see friends that moved to California, relatives yeah. that are all over the world? Yeah. You can do that. Technology yeah. is not the villain here. Just mm-hmm. you, We have to use it in a way that's safe. You yeah. wouldn't have strangers come to your kid's birthday party. So you wouldn't have it on open source. Yes. You want live. The yes. same thing. Right on. Absolutely. Absolutely. So are there um, any specific warning signs or red flags that a parent might experience that they should be aware of to detect potential identity theft, either for themselves or involving their children or teen? Any signs of, uh uh-oh, something has happened here? Yes. And the idea of, again, getting back to you want to protect your kids, but all of us need to worry about our identity to some degree. And, uh, some of the things are basic. You get a bank statement and credit card statement every um, every month, but do you read it? No, it's kind of boring reading, and it's the same thing every month. You want to read it because maybe there's a, a $30 charge that you don't pay attention to, and in the year yes. you've given over $300 to somebody. So you want to read your bank statements, your credit card statements. If you get a credit card, certain things, I got a credit card in the mail. Well, that's nice. Did I apply for it? Because if I didn't, there's a good chance that the uh, scammer who stole my identity and applied for the card, they're not all brilliant. They put my my home address on what should have been their PO address to get the card. But that's a sign. Somebody's messing with my identity, and and I don't want that. Uh, If you get calls from bill collectors, well, first of all, these days they don't really call. But if you get one who thinks they're legitimate for bills you don't owe, or maybe get a statement, an email, a letter in the mail about a bill. That should tell you somebody is, they don't do it by mistake. Somebody's pretending to be you. Some people get a W-2 for a job they don't work. Well, that's a telltale sign. You better do something because somebody is dealing with you to the federal government and that W-2 showed up for you or lets you get a medical statement for medical care that you didn't have. Again, these are signs that their wake-up calls say, I've got to do something. And if you act, and you can act in several ways, one of them is to contact us. We're glad to help. And uh, I've got a phone number to give you at the end of our, our talk here. Something else is check your credit reports. The credit reports can be frozen in a matter of minutes at Experian, Equifax, and TransUnion. And if you go to our website, we discuss how you do this. Um, but the uh, 
credit reports when you freeze. It means no one can take money out in your name. And this is important if you're 10 because you aren't going to be looking to take a loan out for maybe a decade. But if I can pretend to be you, that means you're not looking for a decade. Mom and dad aren't. But if you freeze the credit, you stop that threat. And uh, the uh, other thing is when any of this information comes your way, if anything about it strikes you as odd, trust your gut. The mm-hmm. idea that, well, I, I'd have to take time to confirm it's real. Taking an hour or two to confirm it's real is far better than taking months to undo something because somebody was treating you wrong and you fell for it. Absolutely. Absolutely. I like trust your gut and go look oh, for yeah. some help if something seems off. I think that's a really great, um, some really great examples that you gave that I'll be honest, I hadn't thought of getting a bill for something I didn't use, getting a credit card statement, a bank statement for something I didn't take out. I mean, you think of seeing a charge on your credit card, but all those other layers as well are huge red flags and pause and check into it and ask for some help. Some of the people I talk to say, oh, well, you know, I always thought that if they're scamming on a credit card, it's going to be like 5,000 or 100,000. It's like, no, no, no. Sometimes it's a couple hundred bucks because you're not paying attention to it. They have enough people giving them a hundred or two bucks a month all year long, they're doing pretty well. Yeah. I tell people there's two ways to stop them. One is to find them. The IT experts do that. The other is what you're doing here. We educate the public and we put scammers and identity thieves out of business, one educated consumer at a time. I know when I experienced somebody using my credit card number, it stood out to me because when I looked through my credit card bill, I thought, I wouldn't have bought something in California because I haven't been to California. So (laughs) seeing what looked like a legitimate business, but in California, that was a red flag to me and was, was not difficult for my credit card company to track down because all the other charges showed I hadn't been in California. And you know, when you use your credit card versus your debit card, you usually have a little more protection. You ask about when kids get credit cards, the other thing is to let them know that for certain purchases where you want protection you may want to return it it may not fit what have you but credit card may be your better friend than debit card that's great advice as well so again if somebody does suspect that their or their child's identity has been compromised what should those first steps be well stealing your identity is a crime it's actually called a class h felony so you want to call the police okay you'll want to call your bank to see if any financial harm has come. Check the credit reports. And you can file a complaint with the Bureau of Consumer Protection just so we can keep a record. Sometimes we do investigation and mediation on behalf of consumers who have been wronged. And we uh, also help businesses when it's happened to them. If you want to look at way more information you probably have time for in your life, but we have tons of information. Certainly the credit freeze is worth a five, 10 minute read. Our web page consumerprotection.wi.gov consumerprotection.wi.gov our 800 number is staffed monday through friday 8 30 to 4 30 by live operators many of whom have more than a decade with us so they know how to help you they know how to help you file a complaint look up complaint histories or if you've called the wrong state office we'll find the right one for you that's an 800 number of 422-7128 Awesome. Those are great resources for everyone to have and to have close by and hopefully never need it. But just in case, connect quickly then with those resources. 
Today on Educast, we've been talking about identity theft and how people can protect not just themselves, but the children in their lives as well. Thank you very much to our guest from the Wisconsin Bureau of Consumer Protection, Ben Marins. We appreciate the great information that you've shared with us today. Heidi, thank you. Take care. You too.